Buongiorno. Huh? How's that? <laughs> I like the wow. Eh? <laughs> eh? Welcome to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of April 12, 2010. This is Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. Joined today uh, from the East. Is that me? Adam, yeah. Adam, Meyer, Adam Meyer, design director at uh, Interval. Yeah, I think we're both East, aren't we? Jackie's a little I think so. more Northeast. Yeah. yeah. You're definitely North. But you're I'm definitely st- more East, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, did you introduce yourself or we no, just I, know who you are now? No, we were just, I'm just Northeast. <laughs> ja- <laughs> joined by Northeast? Ja- joined by Northeast, Jackie Ritako, account coordinator. Sorry, guys. That was a little disgruntled. Somebody had our last podcast. We guessed um, ciao as the Italian hello, which I think it is. It is. Though somebody, yeah, somebody said um, buongiorno is also. Well, one's informal and one's formal. Yes, oh. that's what they said. Very good. I, which one's informal? Ciao, right? Ciao. I took Italian yeah. in college. This is the only way I know this. Can, nice. can you, in the world? Can you speak of a phrase in Italian? Um, I could, but I'd probably embarrass myself and then have 5 million people commenting that it was incorrect, so I'll spare it. Well, I did the whole, how about some spaghetti? That was mine, so you can't <laughs> do any worse than that. No, that's true. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'll do the intro next time in full Italian. How about that? I like okay, it. Okay, that'll be your homework. Okay. <laughs> you practice up. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to have no fun segues. We're going to dive right into meaty topic, branding and physicians. How's that? That's me. No warm up act, no like, you know, nothing subtle, no smooth. We're just diving headfirst into a really, really thick, thick <laughs> topic. No, how you doing, guys? No, no, how you doing? No, how's the family? No, that. <laughs> we just want to go branding and physicians. Go. Because we, we've been, <laughs> go. We've been talking about uh, marketing to physicians uh, and building relationships with physicians with a number of folks. And the topic of branding has been brought up within that. And so I think usually when healthcare marketers think about branding and brand building, they're thinking about the communities they serve and the consumer audiences they serve. So the question, uh, and this is kind of a softball, but I'll throw it to you guys anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, Does brand building work with physician audiences? So first I'll ask you guys, what do you think? Uh, I would say, yeah, I would say it works with any audience. Um, I don't think... Just, I don't think a profession makes a person less receptive to, you know, what's what's been proven through m- many studies. Um, I think we've talked about some recently. We'll probably link them up in the show notes. But um, that 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 branding is effective. Advertising is effective, even when you say it's not. So I, no, I, don't confuse those two. How dare you confuse branding and advertising <laughs> for all the time we've spent on this podcast? Well, I, I would. I, I'm not combining them. I'm saying they are together effective. Yes. Okay. Yes, I would agree Sorry. with that. I retract my admonition. <laughs> so you you agree, Jackie, that yes, it does. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. it's just maybe how you reach those audience might make it a little trickier, but. Yeah, I mean, if you brand build with your own employees, I don't know why physicians would be any different. It right. reaches everyone, like Adam said. Yeah, and you know, I think, and I think that's something that we've fallen back, or that we hear a lot, is that it's tricky to reach physicians. And I don't, I, you know, every time I hear that, I question if that's really true. I mean, it's yeah that 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 assumes that they are so much busier than anybody in any other profession. Right. Or that that we are, or than we are, you know, it's just kind of, 
know, it's kind of, it's kind of part of that mentality of putting physicians on this pedestal or putting people in that line of work on a, on a pedestal. And I just, I don't think that's correct. Um, I think they're just as, you know, obviously there are unique ways to reach anybody in any profession, depending on, you know, what, what their routine is during the day, what communicate communication channels they use. But I don't know. I just, you know, we, we hear that a lot and I just don't know if that's true. I think it's kind of a, a cop out in some cases to, you know, something you can fall back on as a CYI or a CYA statement, you know, why, why wasn't this effective? Well, the physicians are hard to reach. Right. Well, and that's, yeah. you know, and that's talking, I think usually that's, that's spoken of with marketing communications or just communications, but you're right. And I, and I think you're right. I think uh, it, it infers that, you know, yes, they are busy. They're very busy. I'm busy. Uh, you're busy. Well, I know. I'm getting there. <laughs> just hang on. Yes, they're busy, but but what the problem is you're trying to hit them with things like our favorite word is relevant. And you're if they're not reading your printed newsletter, it's because you're either not providing relevant content or you're not providing it to them right. in a situation where it it's uh, easy for them to access. And it's I don't think it is any different than consumers. It's different. They're busy in different ways. The channels they use are different. But consumers are equally difficult right, to reach. Right. They may not be um, running, you know, from meeting to meeting and and have literally no time to give. But they are saturated, inundated with messages, which makes them just as difficult to reach as I think physicians. It's just different how you reach them. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that could be a cop out. And um, I think the word is relevant. We just have to remember. Well, we need to make this relevant to them, um, both in what we're saying how we're saying it, and when and where we're saying it, uh, because that's part of the trick. But, I, but going back to, again, that's kind of communication-focused, which is a big part of a, you know, brand building, but it's not the only part, because when we talk about branding, you know, we define it how, as how an organization goes about trying to influence how audiences value the organization, product or service, mm-hmm. and you seek to manage all possible touch points. So uh, th- what makes, I think, physicians unique... Uh, is that you actually have, I think, in some ways, a greater opportunity to build a stronger brand value because it's much more relationship-based. Uh, right. and, and I think the difference is we just don't all think of it that way, and we don't think about using branding with physicians. Ah, oh, it won't work with them, or that's just for consumers. But if if we're using the true sense of the term brand and brand building, uh, then I think, boy, you've got... You've got a captive audience in many cases. If it's an employed physician, if it's a referring physician, they really, really depend on you. Right. And so you have right. lots of opportunity to, to you know, if, if a brand is the value, the emotion, and the reputation uh, an audience gives an organization, then, boy, you have lots of uh, unique, uh, powerful ways to build value. So... I'd say it's a, it's definitely a yes. It's different, like we talked about. It's more relationship based, but that's actually mm-hmm. a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they obviously have different needs and expectations. Physician audiences do the consumers, but any audience would. Uh, and and usually they're playing a different role. So consumers are you know patients are consumers of your service. Uh, in some ways, referring physicians are that, but they're more often uh, peers or affiliates or partners or sometimes even leaders within your organization. So uh, again, those are much more powerful links to you and your brand than a consumer that's sitting out there and may have no interaction with your uh, product or service or transactionally. So, or even if they do have to come in, it's, you know, it's 
It's not the primary, one of the primary relationships in their lives. It probably never would be unless it's a very, very severe situation. But for physicians, their relationship with your hospital is a primary link in their career. So, right. yeah, so I, I definitely think it's just almost a mindset. It's almost kind of saying, well, sure, if we apply it in the way we're, we typically do, absolutely, you can build brands with physicians. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Anything else you want to add on that one? Yeah, nothing no. for me. No? Sounded okay. good. Cool. Well, then let's switch to uh, marketing mm-hmm. measurement, which we want to continue to talk about. And just to let folks know, we'll provide links to these, but we have set up communities uh, on both LinkedIn and Facebook that you can, whichever you know channel you prefer to use, uh, we're going to try to mirror some of the content we put up there, but it's all around marketing measurement. And we're going to try to build communities in both places uh, and have great discussions with folks in healthcare marketing about marketing measurement using the new book we have kind of as a, a starting off, a jumping off point for content. Uh, and once the book is available, which is, I think, April 16th, mm-hmm. people actually have a chance to read it. Uh, that's going to drive way more conversation. Uh, we'll be posting links there, resources, uh, having debates, all kinds of good stuff. We started, we kicked off both of these groups by posting the uh, table of contents for the book. And we just asked, you know, if you look at this, and there's a little bit of an outline when you go, uh, you'll be able to see these in either place. There's a little bit of a description for each chapter, but we asked, you know, if you could only read one chapter right now, which of these would you think is most important for you to read regarding how you or your organization deals with measuring your marketing results. So I'll just give you a couple of quick um, kind of results here of what people have said, and then we can give our own opinions. But it seemed most of the people who replied are interested either in chapter nine, which is titled Treating Measurement Like a Science, or chapter 10, which is where we look, we interview experts in different disciplines like uh, consumer advertising or social media or physician relations and talk specifically about measuring uh, within those. Mm-hmm. So those were the two more popular ones. You know, do you guys have, you know, kind of glancing at this list, do either of you have uh, a chapter Do you think, boy, if, if I had to walk into some of the hospitals we work with today and say, this is the one you need to read right now, uh, is there one that jumps out to you? You know, I would, I think I would jump ahead to 11, which is building a marketing measurement discipline. Um, you know, the other, I think obviously they're all, they're, they're tied together very closely, but that's the one that really, you know, that if, if there's one that talks about getting, getting your stuff together and, and building that building your, your, your plan of attack, you know, that's the one. Um, so I, obviously they're all, they're, they're, they're tied together, but, um, that, that mm-hmm. would be my, that would be the one that I would say is the most important. Jackie, what do you think? I just read the case studies. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, that's my... <laughs> probably a, that's a good answer, actually. Yeah, actually, no, that's I... a good answer. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's obviously would be really interesting. But the one I was drawn to ten to, just just to actually see, since you know, there's so many elements of marketing, how to go about doing it, or to see how people have done it in each. I think would be the most interesting to me. But then a close second was chapter eight, which is just okay, actually so looking... like how. Do I go right. about doing this? Right. So, and I think chapter chapter ten was another one that was listed. Uh, I think I mentioned, and that's again, it was amazing because 
for the book, I interviewed experts in each of these fields who have done this kind of work. So, uh, you know, mm -hmm. public relations work or brand building work or whatever. They That's their job. They've been doing it for years. So I was just really excited because they were so open. They just shared so much. There's so much valuable information in those. So I think that one will be very helpful. But, uh, you know, the one that I kept coming back to was Chapter 9 myself, too, uh, just because... You know, there are other, you know, it depends on where you're at in your organization, but chapter nine will give you some, just a mindset and some tools for, well, if I can't always do the ultimate kind of measurement, which would be some kind of financial ROI measurement, which is often very difficult to do, this is going to allow me to think about measurement in a different way and come back to my leadership, come back to others in my organization and say, you know, using things like the scientific method we can control and use variables and kind of compare this to that and really start to learn what is working and what isn't. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was also really fun to write that one. So uh, we'll see what people think when they get out there. But uh, yeah, I think the case studies was a good answer, Jackie. Yeah. I mean, I'm always drawn to those, but yeah, that's always interesting to me. Well, and you know, it, it, it's always helpful to kind of see, well, how do people actually do this? I mean, you can kind yeah. of talk all day long about, you know, in any kind of textbook or, you know, how to do it. But then it's, well, how are people actually applying this stuff? And how are they, what challenges are they overcoming? And which challenges are they not overcoming? And, uh, you know, those are the ones that I think people do take a lot away from. It also right. should be inspiring to people that, you know, at different levels for different types of marketing, uh, whether it's organization wide, you know, everything they do, which is kind of the Fairview case study to uh, some of the other ones that are more specific, people are doing this at different levels. So that should help others feel like, yeah, you know, even though I feel like this is overwhelming, we can do it too. Right. So cool. Yeah. Anything more on that one do you guys talk about? We'll put the, we'll put the links there and we, you know, invite people to, to uh, join in. To the conversation. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, we're going to have five minutes to discuss what <laughs> I bet Adam could spend. Well, not just you, Adam. I don't mean to pick on you. All of us could spend a lot of time on <laughs> Hours. That's the iPad. We got to talk about the iPad, right? Because you have one. I do. Yeah. I made the, um, I, I, I was planning to get one. I didn't know that I would get one quite this soon. Um, but I, I made a trip into Best Buy for something else, and there were a few on their uh, in their Apple <laughs> display area. So I picked one up and was playing with it, and some guy was standing next to me also playing with one. And um, a Best Buy employee walked up and asked if we needed help, and he said, I wanted to take one of these home. And he said, well, which one do you want? And he started walking away as if he was going to get one. And I'm like, well, you actually have some in stock? And I was like, well, you better go get me one too then in that case. So um, ended up leaving the, <laughs> leaving the store with one. Uh, Oops! But yeah, it's a it's a sweet piece of hardware. Um, I'm really enjoying using it. Um, I can already see it. Definitely, it it for me it kind of removes my most of my need for a laptop. You know, I do most of my real serious work in front of a desktop. I can't really use a laptop for a lot of what I do anyway. Um, so a laptop is just kind of a way to have a computer with me. Uh, when I needed to do stuff when I was away from my desktop. You know, I think my phone, uh, the iPhone, serves that purpose as well. Um, but it's got, obviously, some limitations just in terms of screen real estate for what you can and cannot do. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not really in the same category as the iPhone. Um, but for me, it replaces, definitely is going to replace um, my laptop. 
Um, also, I'm just excited to finally have an ebook reader. I've been putting off getting a Kindle for a long time. And, um, you know, I kind of look at the, for me, the iPad is first and foremost um, an ebook reader. I, I love to read. Um, I love the idea of having all my books on one device and easily accessible. Um, and just some of the extra power you get in terms of, you know, looking things up on the spot or bookmarking things or sharing content. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, so far I love it. There's some great apps out there that are really, well, there's some great apps and some really bad apps, um, actually, but, um, a couple that kind of stand out, I think are in terms of multimedia content, the ABC, uh, app for the network, ABC network. Um, really cool. You can watch all of their, the interface is just, is, is amazing. Um, very slick, <clears throat> but you can watch most of their programming right here anytime. Um, de definitely a good example of how, well, that one, I think, and a, a decent news app that's out there, there's a couple of them, but I think USA Today, it's probably got, even though I, I haven't relied on them for news in the past, other than when I'm at a hotel and I get a free copy in front of my door in the morning. <laughs> um, but the way they've got their app set up is it feels if you, when you're holding this thing in your hand and you're moving the content with your finger um, in your hands uh, with gestures, it, it feels you know tangible. It doesn't feel you know it's always been sitting in front of a computer and reading news content on a website. It's always just felt a little wrong to me or off. I don't want to sit in front of it and I don't want to read it. And it's not necessarily eye strain. It's just kind of like I don't I don't feel like that's where I want to sit and read news. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you can hold this in your hand and interact with the content the way that you can, um, it, it just, it feels much more appropriate. Like the way that you're supposed to, as, as a human, or as we have in, you know, historically interacted with content in terms of printed media, it just feels much more tangible, much more engaging. Um, so yeah. And, and even in outside of printed content, like, like the news apps, that's the, the ABC apps are great. Uh, demonstration of how it feels much more appropriate to interact with video content um, away from a computer. Um, the way you can, you know, just using your hands to, to do this stuff. It's just outside of clicking a mouse, but touching things. I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's a little hard to explain um, if you don't under, understand it just from that. Um, you really just need to pick one up and, <coughs> excuse me, try it and see what the big deal is. You know, I think for some people, they're not going to need mm -hmm. one. Um, but I think yeah, I'd have to agree with a lot of the, uh, uh, people out there who have been saying, you know, this is going to kind of reinvent the way people think about computers because it really does a lot of the, the things that you can do on here and do well, when you sit, when you go back to your desktop, it feels clunky, antiquated, and just kind of wrong the way that you like <laughs> read content and stuff. It really does. Um, so yeah, it's going to be exciting to see where this thing goes, and um, I'm excited to have one. It's been it's been fun so far. Cool, Jackie. Have you yeah. have you seen Adams? Or have you you know? Is anybody you know? How, you don't have one, right? I don't. No. Um. And no, I haven't. I haven't been able to even see Adams yet. I haven't seen one in real life. <laughs> so I, I I've only seen them on their website. So I'd yeah. probably think differently of it if I actually got to hold it in my hands and play with it. Well, you know, I think a lot of the, the naysayers who don't like it, you know, you've got one group of people who are just kind of Apple haters and are going to hate anything Apple just because that's how they are. Um, you've got you've got another group who complains that it's underpowered. You know, I think they don't yet understand what it is or what it's for or who it's for. Um, you know, those are people who probably rely on, you know, powerful computers and multitasking and 
you know, these things, the iPhone and this thing can multitask, you know, big, a big pr- people have, have claimed that these things can't do more than one thing at once. You know, Apple has put limitations on these devices so that only their applications are the ones that can multitask, mm-hmm. uh, do more than one thing at once. Um, but they're actually, there is, uh, uh, an event, an Apple event today, starting in 10 minutes where they're announcing the new OS for iPhone and iPad and uh, iPod touch. And the predictions are that multi-touch, or I'm um, sorry, multitasking for <laughs> uh, third-party apps is going to be announced today, a lot along with a lot of other new stuff. So, um, yeah, in, in a little over an hour, we should know um, a little more about that. And some of those naysayers will be uh, uh, silenced, I think, with uh, with those announcements. Cool. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, I if, if 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 you haven't played with one, I highly recommend hitting Best Buy or the Apple Store and just uh, you know picking it up, I- try it out. Then I'd want one though. Maybe I maybe I shouldn't go play with one. No, I don't know, Jackie. I picked one up and I didn't. I you know because we've talked about this before. I have all the different things that it does, and some of the things that you know, like I have a Kindle, I have a laptop, I have an iPhone. Right. So it, it's not going to function for me like a laptop. I can't produce on it like I'd want to. It's too big to be a phone. Uh, right. It will kick the crap out of the Kindle. I can see that already. You know, if I had, I wish I had waited because I'd much rather read on that thing than the Kindle. But there's no reason for me to replace my Kindle um, right now. So, yeah. But you know, I can, I can even that. playing it with Adams. What's that? I just said I can see that. Yeah, even playing with Adams, there are things that it did that you know. I always laughed at the iPhone ads where they show the people with their fingers like. Um, you know, the website instantly loads and they're expanding it and sliding it and all that. You know, after it takes 60 seconds for my Star Tribune website to load, <laughs> you know, if I want to try to expand it, there's another 30 seconds. And it's it's right. ridiculous. It's like 1998. When I tried that on Adam's iPad, it was just like they show it. It was Fast. boom, instant loaded. You flick things, you open them, you expand them, you collapse them. And it was instant it wasn't you know 30 seconds to rebuild and blah 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 <laughs> so in that sense you know i could see uh having it to consume media it'll never replace a laptop for me because i can't there's no way i'll be able to type on well, it well you do but the thing to remember too for you is that you can pair i mean obviously it's cumbersome to have to tote around an extra keyboard with it but if you were sitting at home and needed to type something it does pair with bluetooth keyboards and has a dock a dock that has a keyboard built into it Right, right, but it'll still never replace a laptop for me because I use a laptop. It, it, it's to me, the way I use a laptop is the way you're describing. You use your desktop, Adam. right? Right. So yeah. it's for work because you're because uh, you're not really a desktop person. Your your laptop is your computer. Right. It is. That's why I don't think you know the iPad is like an obvious for me. If I had a desktop, uh, obviously you're not lugging that around. But like we talked about, Adam, I don't even like lugging my laptop around. Right. When I have to lug it to the couch, it seems like, oh, I got to pack this thing up and I got to carry something else. And, <laughs> Which is the beauty and, of something like this, where you can lay in bed yeah. with it and read, read, surf the web or sit in front of your t- right. TV while you're watching programming and, you know, surf the web or look something up or, you know, whatever you need which to is, do. Which is all, I think that's all true. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need that because I have every, all my bases covered. I'm pretty rare, though. I don't think there's a lot of people that, you know, unless you're a content creator and not the kind like you are where you require a desktop. Um, you know, I've got everything I need, so I don't need it now. But I can see right. if one of these things bails, if my Kindle dies, if, you know, maybe if my laptop dies, I don't know. Uh, or if my iPhone died, I guess I can't replace it 
my iPhone with that. Yeah. But someday <laughs> down the road, I could see using it. And there's certainly purposes for business that we haven't even begun to explore. Right. Um, and as you mentioned, as, as, a, as you know, you said as a content creator, you know, the certain type of content that you create and the way you create it, the iPad's not. Um, perfect for you to create that content. Um, and I'll take that another step further too, is that, you know, for me as a content creator, as a web content creator, um, you know, I feel it's extraordinarily important to have devices like this so I can, so you can experience the content that you're creating on the devices that people are going to be experiencing your content on. Um, otherwise you're, you're kind of missing the, you don't really know what you're serving up to people or how they're experiencing it. Um, right. so I, I, you know, as, as a gadget guy, and as a content creator, I feel compelled to get these devices as soon as possible just so I can start to see how things I've created are, are living on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Chris, no, also to your... no, you can't expense it for work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> the um, uh, one nice thing is that the Kindle app is actually pretty, is really nice on here. Some people, are, some people prefer it to the, to the iBooks, the Apple e-reader app. Um, oh, so yeah, all, of your, all of your Kindle books that you've purchased will be accessible immediately for you on this thing. It's not like you'll, you won't lose any of your content that you've already purchased uh, through, Am- right, through but, Amazon. But then I wouldn't need my Kindle at all. I mean, it would basically replace my Kindle, yeah. which yes. is not reason enough for me to get it right now. If your Kindle I mean, who knows? bit the bullet. If my Kindle bit the bullet, then, well, maybe. Because the Kindle is, the, to me, like you said, it's, if, if all this was was an e-reader to me and I didn't have a Kindle, I would definitely investigate it. Right. So maybe I just wait till my Kindle dies and that's my next. I will say too, I am disappointed in a number of magazines have quote unquote put out their quote unquote magazine apps. And some of them are simply PDFs and it's really disappointing because they are not taking advantage of the power of this thing or what it really is. Um, I know a while ago, Wired magazine put out an example of how they plan to serve content on this thing and other devices like it. Um, And their examples of how, you take magazine style content and, and interactive content and marry them on a device like this was amazing. Um, I th- one of the examples that stands out was a car ad um, where it looks like a car ad in a magazine until you actually touch the car. And now you can rotate it and zoom in on it and look at the interior and change the colors and it, all within this, you know, really beautiful ad where it's, you know, it's kind of almost like an Apple ad where the car was on like this white background. That's someone who's taking advantage of this technology. Um, so if you look at the comments on some of these magazine apps that are out there, people are just are disappointed, extremely disappointed that they're falling back to old school media practices on, on these new devices. It's a little disappointing, but I think we'll see some of the cool stuff come out as, um, as people, uh, start to learn from their mistakes. Yeah. Well, we do want to let people know that we saw a news story about a new cool app on weekly probe called uh, yes. iStream. Yes. So Definitely, we'll provide a link to that. You can check that out. But brings a whole new meaning to the term interactivity, I think. <laughs> it definitely it does. does. <laughs> All right, that's enough iPad talk for today. All right. we've, we've covered it for now, but I think we should continue to come back to it, especially as we explore uh, ways we use it at work and maybe interacting with clients mm-hmm. or uh, enhancing kind of the marketing process. So. Mm-hmm. We'll let you know on that. So I think it's time to sign off. You guys all right with that? Let's do it. Sure. All right. So for Healthcare Marketing Insights, this is Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. Jackie Ritacco. We will see you next week or talk to you. (laughs) See ya. Bye. Bye.